You're listening to sermon audio from Gospelite Baptist Church. For more resources or to donate to this ministry, please visit gospelite.org. All right, so we are, uh, we preached last week uh, half the sermon. In fact, it, it, was, it worked out nice because we had uh, the Teen Revolution testimonies. And then this week, uh, we had Teen Affirmation Sunday, multiple baptisms. And so I've got about a half a sermon worth of stuff to give you, right? So we're going to be in good shape this morning on, on time. But I do want to quickly review last week's message. And if you noticed in your notes, you already have all, the, all those filled in. Man, I... I, I saved you some time there to have to fill in those notes again. So they're all filled in up until we finish the message last week. But just to introduce the message, we, we've been talking about trials. And we're going to be talking about trials for a, a few weeks. And I'm convinced, and God is just talking about affirmation. I mean, affirmation, uh, even this morning, I had one of our members come up to me and say, Hey, preacher, I, I'd like to keep it somewhat unspoken as far as details, but have a very close family member that's just been diagnosed with cancer. And it's very serious, and it, it's, it's pretty intense, and I just need your prayers. And I was thinking about the importance of, of what we're talking about in Scripture. We're in Hebrews chapter 12. We'll be in James chapter number 1 next Sunday. One of the most blow-your-mind verses, to be honest, almost difficult to understand. Uh, count it all joy when you fall into trials. Count it all joy. I mean, h- how do you do that? We're going to talk about that next Sunday. We're in Hebrews 12 today, and we're going to dive back into that passage. The idea is this, that as we pray for our students, we know as as parents that there is so much that we have faced in our lifetime of 30, 40, 50, 60 years, trials, things we've been through. Hey, I've got a family member with cancer. That that, that announcement this morning to to, to me as as pastor. We know our kids are going to face those type of, of difficulties and trials and disciplines in life. And one of the reasons why so many do get confused about their faith is they don't know how to face a trial. And so this is why this is so invaluable to our Christian faith, understanding what these are and how to count it all joy, how to look at the discipline of God as God loves us. And so we're going to dive back in. But what's amazing is I was having my devotions this this, uh, week, and I was... Uh, opened up one of my devotions on, on my emails, and it said divine appointment. And I thought, wow, I'm going to have a divine appointment right now. Here's the, the actual devotion is called divine appointment. So I, I'm ready for that divine appointment. And then I read the verse, Job 23.10. I want to put the verse on the screen. We started last week. We'll start this week. We'll start next week. We'll start every week for the next few weeks with he knows the way that I take. This is what I want you to know. I want you to memorize this verse. I want this verse to be able to just come to your Uh, your mind, your heart, your tongue, your speech, every time you face a trial, that God knows. He knows. And when he has tried you, you will come forth. You'll emerge as gold. Here's what this devotion said. I want to read it to you because I read it Wednesday. God's timing is great, isn't it? These words spoken by Job during his time of extreme suffering offer us insight into our own times of hardship. Like Job, our persecutors And trials are divine appointments. But we do not go through them alone. God keeps us by his grace. He loves us. He trains us. He disciplines us. He is forever wanting to stretch us and build us up. He uses our trials to test us by fire. What if we viewed every hardship? What if we viewed every hardship as God's perfect plan for us? This would give our trials a whole new meaning. 
Trials move us out of complacency. Trials move us out of mediocrity into a stronger, pure faith. So ask God to give you the wisdom to see your trial as God sees it. If you will do that and trust him in the process, you will emerge as pure gold. How many of you have ever heard of a contemporary Christian singer by the name of Jeremy Camp? Got any folks that know that name, Jeremy Camp? Quite a few. And maybe some that, uh, that you're just remembering now, so you'd have to raise your hand now. We had almost everybody in the first service raise their hand. A familiar singer, uh, one that's written many songs. He wrote a song. In fact, Cody, when you were singing Son of Suffering uh, in that first verse, he knows. He's acquainted. And I thought, wow, how powerful for, for what we're talking about here. He knows. He's acquainted with our grief. He knows what life is, what, what we're going through in life. Well, Jeremy Camp's wife, uh, his first wife, died of cancer. And he wrote a song, and the title of the song is He Knows. And I've listened to that song a dozen times this week, just in preparation for the message. I want to share with you in a two-minute video just the, just the story behind the song. If you've heard it, it's meant something to you. You may know the story. But listen to the writer of the song who shared this testimony. With, he's going to share it with our church this morning. And then I just want to talk to you uh, about the rest of the message in Hebrews 12. So listen with me. Wow, music is powerful, isn't it? Just like this morning, Peace Be Still and Son of Suffering was such an emotional, powerful moment in our lives as we sang that. This, this music, this song can be an encouragement to you. And I encourage you to, to download it. Put it on your phone and listen to it as we go through the next month or so of messages. As we understand Job chapter 23 and verse 10, he knows the way that I take. And when he is finished, when he's tried me, the ultimate goal is to be more like him. I will come forth as gold. So let's just review real quickly. We've already reviewed the first verse and the notes are, are, are pretty, pretty simple to review real quick. Let's do that just for a moment. We said this, that trials are extremely common. Trials are common. They happen to everyone. And we defined a trial in the Christian life as an event that demonstrates the genuineness of our faith. And, and it refines the quality of our spiritual life. We said there's many kinds of trials, big ones and small ones, and some that last a long time, some that don't last so long. We said that everyone encounters trials. Some are going through a trial right now. And then we discovered there's some different terms for trials. In fact, that's kind of how we came to the term we're discussing uh, last Sunday and this Sunday. We said terms like physical trials or relational trials. Sometimes we go through an economic trial. And sometimes trials are defined as just discipline, the discipline of the Lord. In fact, in, in, in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 through 11, which is the text that we're in, and, and I want to encourage you, this is the first text on trials in the New Testament. Now, there's many more texts on trials in the New Testament. And we'll be looking at some of those as we journey through this series. But this first one, I think, is so important. And we, we, read the, we studied the first four verses of our text. I'm going to read you those four verses. And just in four verses, you'll get the idea of what the theme of the discussion is about trials here in this passage. He says in verse 5, Have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? We discussed the fact that, that God is, is, is reminding us, wait a minute, have you forgotten? What's, what's going on here? You, we, we, this is something you should know. Have you forgotten? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord. Don't be weary when, he, when you're reproved by him. Don't get tired of, of God disciplining you. 
For the Lord disciplines the one he loves. He chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. Why? Because God is treating you like his son. God is treating you like his daughter. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? And if you're left without discipline, it's nothing to brag about. If you're left without it, in which all have participated, you're an illegitimate child. You're not his son. And so we began talking about what exactly is the discipline of the Lord. It's the same word we find in Titus chapter 2 for training. God is training us. His discipline is producing something in our lives. And for us to see that come to fruition, we have to be trained. And the way to be trained is, is, involves discipline. And so God is very serious about not just saving us. And I'm so thankful I'm saved today. And I would announce this to our five brand new converts and daughters in Christ. I would say to them, today is a great day. But it's just the beginning. God has so much more for you. And God is, yes, excited about saving you, but he's equally excited about sanctifying us, right? Bringing us along. And and that's what the song that Cody sang a moment ago, yes, to the sinner, but to the broken. Because we're all broken. Yes, there was a time when our sins were forgiven, but, but we're still finding ourselves oftentimes in difficult places as broken people. And God says, hey, I'm there. I understand. I'm acquainted. I know what you're going through. Jesus comes alongside us. And sometimes it's in the form of discipline because he loves us. He loves us. And then we talked about the fact that, secondly, that uh, why does the Lord discipline his children? And sometimes it's difficult to face the why. And we're going to talk about that more, a little bit more next week. Because that's a question that everyone asks. Why, Lord? Why is this happening? I don't understand. It's very difficult. I've been there. I have been in places in my 40 plus years of being a child of God that I don't understand. And it just seems unfair. And I don't get it. And I'm like, God, I mean, you know, I'm doing right. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I'm doing all the right things. Why is this happening to me? And so we discuss why does the Lord discipline his children? And is he abandoning us when that happens? Is he turning his back on us? He's doing the exact opposite. In fact, when we go through a trial, God is not abandoning us. He's moving towards us. And and, and so let's understand that, that God is a very present help in those times of need. And ultimately, that trials are a proof of his love. So with that as an introduction, let's go into number three and finish the message, shall we? So thirdly, we're talking here about how should I respond to the Lord's discipline? What does that look like? How should I respond? Let's go to Hebrews chapter 12 in verse number 9, shall we? That's where we're going to pick up. We left off at verse 8. Let's pick up at verse 9, and and let's journey together through this last half of the message. Beside this, besides this, all the things he's mentioned about sons and, and, and discipline, he says, we have had earthly fathers. Now, I want to say this about that, obviously, you know, we know what, what, what an earthly father is, but not everyone has been blessed to have someone who has played that role well. And I understand that. And so there may be fatherless children in this world, but there are no fatherless children in God's family. Amen? None. So all of us today, I think we can relate to this passage, but know this, that you have a father, a perfect parent that will never leave you and never forsake you. But here's the illustration. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers. It literally means fathers in the flesh. I mean, I am 
I am Chloe's earthly father. I'm, I'm Mo's earthly father. And I, I've disciplined them. It says here, who disciplined us, and we respected them. Literally, that means uh, they turned around. They responded. They respected our discipline. I mean, listen, uh, I, I'll, I'll be honest. When my dad disciplined me, and I'll give you an illustration, there were times when dad said, go clean your room, boy. And I'd go clean my room, and I thought I cleaned my room, but as I was walking out of the house to go do what I really wanted to do, Dad said, get back in this house and go clean your room. That's not what I call cleaning your room. And what I, what I would do is just walk right out the door. No, I wouldn't. I respected my dad. I turned around and went right back to the room that I thought was clean, but that wasn't clean because my dad was correcting me, disciplining me. He was pressing in. And, and I respected him. And so scripture says, beside this, we, we, have, we know what that's like. We've had earthly fathers who, who we respected. We, they disciplined us. We respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? And I love the reference there to the father of spirits. God is not so much concerned with our physical bodies as, as he is our spiritual selves. I mean, to be honest, my, my physical body is not what it used to be, and it doesn't look like it's getting much better, right? I mean, we all have hurts and pains and things that, as we grow older, that, that are happening. And, I, hey, I, I, I know God's concerned, but he's more concerned with my spiritual life. And as the father of spirits, he, he, is, he is there to, to, to sanctify me, to lead me, to become more like him. We're going to see that in just a minute. So here I am, many times in my life, confession, transparency time, openness here. Here I am many times in my life going down the road of life, just minding my own business. Too sexy for my shirt, you might say. I mean, I'm just the, I, I feel like I'm going in the right direction. Everything's cool. I know what's happening. I got this. I've got the bull by the horns. It's all good. I'm going down the road, and all of a sudden, bang, trial. I mean, I didn't see it coming. I don't think I really deserved it. I think I'm okay. I'm doing good. I'm a pastor. I'm a preacher. I'm a dad. I'm good. I'm fine. I'm successful. I got got it together. And then all of a sudden, my heavenly father, the father of spirits, comes along and places something in my life to turn me around. To turn me around. To humble me. To get me on a path that is... Becoming more like him. He sees pride welling up in my spirit. Or he sees me going in a direction that potentially could, could be a bad thing. And, I, I, and I'm not God. I don't have the mind of Christ. But I do have scripture. And I, I, I'm attempting to have more of the mind of Christ, I should say. But at the same time, I, I don't know all that God thinks. His ways and thoughts are so much higher than mine. But I do know that he loves me so much that sometimes when I can't see the way that I'm going. Or when I think this is the right way, God turns me around. And so many times in my life, I've experienced the discipline of God that has turned me around. And so besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? The response to the father who is disciplining me is to respect him and to turn around to do that. Here it is. Number one, the first response I have is I must admit I've got to admit something. You're God, and I'm not. I'm not God. I don't know the things that you know. God is a perfect parent. 
He uses perfect methods. I admit this. God, you are a perfect parent. He uses perfect marriage methods. He uses them in perfect amounts. And how much more should we respect him? Do you get the logic here? Have I given you enough to, 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 that it's settling in? If you respected the discipline of an imperfect parent with imperfect methods who disciplined you in imperfect amounts, shall you not much more respect a perfect parent who disciplines you in perfect methods, who gives it to you in perfect amounts? Much more respect him. And yet, I don't always do that. I don't. I don't understand sometimes. I just don't get it. Sometimes I, I think, God, this is way too much. I just, God, this is overboard. This is overkill. I can't take this, God. I can't bear the weight of this trial. God, I, I can't seem to handle it, God. This is too much. And when my trial overwhelms me, it's often because of these three things. Number one, it's because I say, I don't have a problem. I really don't have a problem. Wait a minute. Hang on. Compared to Mike. I mean, God, look at Mike. He's the one you need to be disciplining. Look at this guy. Right, Micah? Oh, yeah. See? I mean, God, I mean, you got the wrong dude here. I mean, God, look across the aisle, God. He really needs it. Oh. I mean, the person in my small group, God, you should have heard them open up last week. Dude, they got it. They they need it, God. I'm good, God. I'm okay. I mean, listen, I really don't have a problem, God. I don't know what, what your problem is thinking I, you need to, and so, We need to admit, listen to me, we all are struggling. You can't get anywhere in your Christian life without admitting you need help. So I got to come to God and say, listen, God, I need help. I admit that this is is something that I may not understand, but I admit, God, that I'm wrong. I admit I need this. The second reason why that oftentimes chastening overwhelms us, it's when we say, okay, God, I have a problem, but it's not my problem. Okay, God, I'll admit, maybe I've got a problem, but, it, but it's not my problem. It, it's my spouse's problem. It, it, that's what it is, God. It, it's, my, it's my past. You know, I, I've just got some things. It's my kids. It, it's my boss, God. I, that, that, it's my boss. It's the, that's, that's where the problem is. It's, it's, I've got one, but it's not, it's not my problem. Or it's because we say, thirdly, okay, God, I've got a problem, and it's my problem, but it's not my fault. It's not my fault, God. It's my parents' fault. It's my pastor's fault. It's my past. It's my, it's my poodle. I mean, it's just not mine. It's not my fault, God. And so we begin to point the fingers. And, and so what happens is, is we're guilty, but with an explanation. I got an explanation for this, God. And, and, and so nothing good is coming until I admit. That's the first step. This is the first lesson this morning of understanding trials. I must admit This is how I respond to the Lord's discipline. But look with me at the verse. Do you see the second thing? Super simple. Look at it. Secondly, I want you to notice in this verse, besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be what? Subject. Some translations use the word submit. So number one, we've got to admit. Number two, we've got to submit. We've got to be subject to the father of spirits. This is what I saw last week at Teen Revolution and what I wish I could see more with us old stubborn adults. Amen. Man, at Teen Revolution, what I saw, what I witnessed, what we witnessed, volunteers who went, is we witnessed a lot of young people, not so much Tuesday night, a few more Wednesday night, quite a bit more Thursday night. By Friday night, you couldn't find a teen in their seat. 
as they would go to the altar. And what I saw, and I'm not, I don't know, God knows hearts, but what I viewed and what I saw, what I heard and what, I, what was shared, even in my office from some of these girls who were baptized, was, in fact, the last testament. I can't really explain it. I just, I felt such relief. Did you hear that in the testimony? I felt such relief. One young lady told me yesterday, I think it was Laney, she said, I just released some things to God. I mean, just things that were holding me back that I knew were wrong. And I just, I just, I can't explain, I just released them. And what, what I sense in those moments is when we release the things that we're holding on to, when we admit and then bow the knee, just submit, just say, again, you're God, I'm not God, and, and I, I just surrender all. God, you've got all of me. Cut me deep. Do surgery, God. Take it all, God. It's going to hurt. It's going to hurt. A little anesthesia would help. <laughs> but God, just put me on the surgery table and take it all out. Get it out, God. I don't want to live this way anymore. I submit to your will. I submit to what you have for me. This is what it means to be subject to the Father and live. And live and come off that, if you will, that spiritual operating table and experience the joy of the Lord. Count it all joy. Say, we're getting to that next Sunday. And so I, I just want to leave you with those two words, admit and then submit. And then number four, what results from the Lord's discipline? What, what, can, I, what can I expect? What can I expect from this? Look with me, if you would, at verse 10 on the screen, shall we? For they disciplined us. Remember we talked about earthly fathers? In the previous verse, how many remember that? Earthly fathers, they, earthly fathers, they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them. A couple of comments, short time. Man, does it ever go by fast. Some of you right now with 16 and 17-year-old kids, let me tell you something. It's almost over. I mean, what Mo just did is, is honestly, in fact, I don't even like what he said. I mean, like it, it's like, ah. Oh, did you have to say, you know, they kind of go from, you know, living in their house to, you know, moving out, becoming their own. I'm like, no, you know, it's like, I can't let go, right? I get it, but it's the truth. You just have a short time with your kids. It goes so quickly. I got a 31-year-old kid over there. Are you kidding me? You know, I got, I got a 21-year-old, 22-year-old in the back. I've got a 29-year-old in the first service, and I'm thinking, man, this is flying by. There's a, well, there's a 21-year-old too right there, yeah. I'm thinking about my, my 22. I'll go with the boys first. Sorry. And so it just, it just blows me away. It is. This is so true. It is such a short time. And can I be honest? I hope I'm doing my best. But the truth of the matter is, is so much subjectivity goes into parenting. Isn't that true? It depends upon a lot of things. Like it depends upon the messenger. Like our kids would tell you, sometimes I'd rather mom get discipline me, but sometimes I'd rather dad. I mean, it just depends on so much subjectivity comes, goes into discipline. You, you know, it depends upon the mood. Oh, I don't, if dad's in a bad mood when he gets home, it's going to be bad. You know, or if dad's, remember when I was out of town a lot and you guys would test mom and it was like, come home and hear these horror stories. You know, she chased us around the house with a broom, you know. <laughs> I'm not saying that's the best method, but hey, that's the best she could do at the time is beat him with a broom, you know. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> DHS, we're, we're here. We're, kids are gone. I'm in the house. I'm, I'm, I'm exaggerating to make a point, but we've got, I tell you, we've, if you want to sit around the capacity table and hear some of our horror stories, we did our best, but it depended upon the messenger, it depended upon the mood, and sometimes it depended upon the moment. 
You know, sometimes it was like not a big deal. Sometimes it was a big deal. And they probably confused him. Like, I don't understand. It was the same thing. I got a worse punishment this time, a less punishment last time. What's going on? I can't figure these people out. Exactly. We're imperfect parents trying to do our best in a little short time. And that's what Scripture's teaching us here. It's a good summary of imperfect human parents. But it goes on to say, but, but he, but God. Anytime you say, but God, everybody ought to say, yes. Oh, man, this is going to get good. But he disciplines us for our good. Hey, how many of you guys are okay with all things work together for good? Amen? That, that's God. All things work together for good to those who love him, those who are called according to his plan, his purpose. God loves us, and he disciplines us for our good every time. In other words, Scripture is teaching God has a good purpose in mind for everything he does regarding disciplining his children. Everything. And it's very, very specific in the text. Would you look at it with me on the screen? It's very specific. It says that we may share his holiness. Do you see that? In fact, I think on the next verse, I have it just all by itself, right, Ken? I think. There it is. His holiness. He disciplines for his, for his good, and the result, the goal, is that we become more holy, more like him. And you know what? Sometimes what, what I'm afraid of, and I want to say this to all of our teenagers and our young adults and then our adults in that order real quick, so let it kind of come slow freight. But let me tell you something. You want more of his holiness. See, see I, I'm afraid sometimes that the, the picture of holiness <laughs> Is man, that's hard. That's, oh, it's so hard to be holy. It's such a struggle. And it's so much pain involved. Sin causes suffering. (laughs) Man, listen, holiness is the absence of everything that causes turmoil and pain and fear. Trust me, you want more holiness. You want more of that. And that's what trials are for. Trials are for specifically his holiness. God has a desire for us to become more like him. God is holy, and and so should we be. And so God is is disciplining us, turning us around sometimes so that we can get on a path that leads to holiness and not suffering. Are you with me? And we'll talk more about this throughout the next weeks, but just an overview. Hebrews 12 is such a beneficial chapter or text for suffering. And then finally, how do I make the most of the Lord's discipline? I mean, I want to get the most out of this. I, I want to learn. Amen? I mean, hey, there's nothing worse than getting spanked over and over again for the same thing. <laughs> you know, it's like, what am I going to learn, right? I mean, hey, if you're a coach and, you know, you, you know you, you're making your team run sprints, it's like, come on, get this thing. You know, you, I, I want to quit doing this. How do I learn? How do I respond? How can I make the most of this? Well, let's read verse 11 as we close. For the moment, all discipline seems painful. All right. Time to vote. Ready? Churches vote sometimes, right? We don't vote very often. We're going to vote right now. It's going to be good. Ready for a business meeting? Here we go. How many would say that for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant? Can I get a vote on that? All that say true? Any false? I didn't think so. All right. Uh, Surely no one thinks that, you know, discipline seems pleasant rather than painful. I mean, to be honest, initially, up front, in the beginning, it all it's kind of like, this hurts me more than it hurts you. Yeah, right. Come on. I mean, in the moment, it's like, I'm getting the fire licked out. I mean, you're standing there just doing it. Surely it doesn't hurt you. And in the moment, I don't get that, right? I understand it now as a dad. 
So, so in the moment, painful seems, uh, discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later, I have another question. How long? Why didn't he get specific there? But a week later, how about, hey, how many of you are for an hour, like an hour? All suffering lasts one hour, right? That'd be great, you know. No, it's, it's, just, it's just later. I, I don't know when later could mean when I get to heaven. Later could be a month, a year, 10 years. I mean, some trials last for decades. But later, he says it yields the, that means produces. It produces, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness, which, by the way, I have written in my notes, it's a synonym for holiness, to those who have been trained by it. So three closing lessons for your, for your worship, God. Number one, how do I make the most? First of all, I've got to realize this, the pain is momentary. The pain is momentary for the moment. Just hone in on those first three words. They're critical to understanding trials. They're just momentary. The best is yet to come. This will not go on forever. Better days are ahead. (laughs) When you've lived as long as I've lived and you've experienced some of the trials that I've experienced financially, physically, mentally, spiritually, in every way, I could, I could give you enormous, in my, in my life, enormous trials in all of those areas. And I can tell you, when I was going through it, it was, it was tough. But coming out on the other side, I'm like, wow. It didn't last forever. It's better now than it was then. I don't really like the way I had to get here. But you know what? I wouldn't have it any other way now. If you would have told me having a special needs daughter, and that's a trial. Let's just face it. I mean, it is. It's a trial to have somebody you got to, you know, babysit, change your diaper. It, it is. But can I tell you now, it's not a big deal. It's like, at first it was frustrating. And you, you know, God heal her, take it away. And people are saying, you know, you got sin in your life. She's not getting better. I'm like, I know I probably do. You know, <laughs> how do I fix this? And you're just thinking it's all going to get better. Yesterday, my wife's out of town. So Chloe and I had to play tag team, taking care of Glorianne. Of course, she played much more of the tag team than I did. So you're amazing. But we, we both had such a great time. I mean, it's just so fun. And now I see, God, I'm not even going to ask you to heal her. In my opinion, I'm the one that needs healing. I'm the one that needs help. <laughs> She's a better Christian than I'll ever be. I mean, she makes so many people like, God, thank you for this trial. Can you believe that I'm actually saying, thank you, God, that you gave me a special needs daughter? It's the coolest thing ever. I wasn't saying that then, but I'm saying it now. It's momentary. It's not going to go on forever, this feeling, this pain, this suffering. Number two, understand the profit is immense. It is big time. Look at it. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later. Eventually, the profit is incredible. It yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Oh, listen, all things really do work together for good. God has a plan for my good, and it's going to be a barn full of blessing. It's going to be a truckload of treasure. It's going to be a bushel of blessing. I mean, God has some incredible things, and I just need to understand that in the moment, it's sure painful, but later, later. I wish I could have just a testimony service right now about the later. I wish I could just hear from some of you right now. You ought to do this in your small groups this week. Hey, somebody just tell us about something you went through. And then later you saw the peaceable fruit of righteousness. 
We could do it over and over again. It's a beautiful picture of what trials produce. Not only do they show us that God loves us and, and show us that we're his child, but they also bring us to a place of, of righteousness and holiness, and they grow us and sanctify us. Trials are amazing. They're amazing, church. And getting to the place where we can see the prophet in them is a powerful place to be. And then number three, the promise. The promise that's being given here is conditional. It does depend on something. Look at the verse as it concludes. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Here it is, to those who have been trained by it. So it's conditional on this right here. So here's the question. Do you want to be trained? Do you, do you desire to be one who is willing to be trained? It's going to take some training. It's going to take some discipline. But if you're willing, if you're willing to do that, if, if, you, if you'll say, God, I'm willing to learn. I want to get it. I don't want to waste my time over and over and over and over again. God, I want you to teach me. I want you to train me. God, please discipline me. I feel so loved when I'm corrected. I want to turn around. God, if I'm going in the wrong direction, Lord, I respect you. I want to return around and go in the right direction. If you desire to be trained, I can assure you the peaceful fruit of righteousness is your reward. Becoming more like Christ. But it's conditioned upon that. Let's go back to our our first verse again on the screen. He knows the way that I take. And when he's tried me, I come forth as gold. I'm trained, right? I'm disciplined, and I get the gold medal. Whew. That was hard. That was a lot of pain. Fell out a few times. Got some pretty big scars, but whew, I came out of it as gold. Wow. It's an amazing thing, isn't it? And so as we introduce this series of messages, I want to just close this by challenging all of us to determine that God is working on us. Trials are a proof of God's love. And let's make progress towards righteousness and his holiness. What I'd like to do is we just bring the lights down for a moment. And before we pray and the worship teams come, I'd like to do this throughout the month of August. I'd like to just, if you're a young person in the building, you're a teenager, just somebody sit. We're not going to ask you to raise your hand or stand again and go to the aisle. I just want this to be, can I, can I say it like this? I think just organic, just, you know, if you're in the area and you're someone who would enjoy praying with a young person, maybe a, a parent, a grandparent, a pastor, an elder, a deacon, a small group leader, or just someone who just would be led to pray with a young person. I'd like for the month of August, just as we finish these messages, for part of the response to be to have prayer with our kids, our young people. I'm going to go over to the section over here because I've got, you know, some of the kids that are here that got baptized. I'd like to pray with some of them. And, but also need prayer myself. So the, the song and the response that they're going to share with us a moment, we'll be able to participate. We're going to stand, and, and you'll be able to respond in worship as well. But I'd like to take just a few moments and pray. Pray with our young people. Pray, pray, pray just ourselves that we would welcome Christ to come and, and, and train us. God, I, I want to step into that season of training. I, I know I need it. God, I want to admit I need it. And I want to bow the knee. Father, I'm willing. 
Whatever you need to do, take it out. Cut me deep, God. I don't, I don't want this in my life. I know it's not what I need. You're showing me. You're revealing it to me. I'm not going to point fingers. I'm not going to blame anybody else. God, I'm going to take personal responsibility. And, and God, I just need you to help me. And I'm accepting your help. I don't want to go through this again and again and again and again, God. I want to learn something. I want to learn something. So we're going to just kind of, that's, that's our response today. However you interpret that, however that ministers to you. So I'm going to pray and then we're going to stand and, and just take a moment to pray together, pray with our young people, whatever the Lord leads. Father, I love you and thank you. God, I also want to say this in my prayer. God, I want to pray for those in this building who may not be saved. They may not be a Christian. They, they've witnessed a baptism service where we said, buried in the likeness of your death and raised in the likeness of your resurrection. And Father, if there's someone here today that would like to experience new life in you, Father, I pray that today, if they are in their seats right now, having never truly made a decision to make you their Savior, to, to repent of their sin and to embrace the cross as for their freedom, God, that today would be that day. And Father, I, I, I pray that you would even now work in that moment in their lives. And we'll be available in the service or after the service to talk. And then I pray, God, for these that just like myself, we come to you as your children, desperately needing a perfect parent like you, God. You're the best. Thank you for being the son of suffering who sympathizes with us. You never sinned, but you were tempted. And you know what we're going through, Father. You've experienced it. You bore the weight of our sin on your shoulders. And God, we can come to you and you will understand. And so, Father, I pray that even though we're talking about discipline, Father, we desperately need, Lord, your love and your help. And we need to better understand that love so we can go through trials in a, in a, in a, in a more pro profitable way. So, God, bless our invitation and our response time. In Jesus' name, amen. Shall we stand together as we worship?